All right, you guys can have a seat. Again, thank you so, so very much for being here on this, the Lord's Day, but also Christmas Day. And so again, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Luke. We're going to look at the story that we've just uh, read. Titled this message, Comfort and Joy at Christmas. There's nothing more, I think, special than a special time of year. There's phrases we use for the Christmas season. It's it's special, it's unique, it's a time of, people say, like family and spending time with family and getting together and uh, sometimes it, there's comfort and joy and sometimes there's not much comfort and there's not much joy. Uh, you may be a little uncomfortable actually when we were getting with relatives and long lost family or friends. Uh, I have so many unique and special memories of Christmas, some that I, I miss greatly. Um, one memory that I have specifically, I can hear, I can, as I was reading it earlier, I almost kind of cried. I'm a teary-eyed person, as most of you already know. Um, but even as reading the story, because I could hear my grandfather reading it. Because now I'm going to get teary-eyed. But, <laughs> but even when I, when I hear it, because I, I was reading the story, because I remember year after year on Sunday evening, we'd all gathered, my whole huge family, uh, we all lived in Charlotte, my, bro- my dad's um, brother, um, his two brothers, and his sister, and they all had children, so there was a lot of grandchildren, and we'd all gather. My, pa- my grandparents had a trailer, it was a double-wide trailer, and we'd all squeeze into this double-wide trailer at the smelliest carpet, but I still smell it, and I kind of like it. <laughs> I didn't like it at the time. Um, kind of scared me sometimes, but... I remember, though, my grandfather standing in front of my family, which really there were many who were lost, who did not know Christ. And our family, and he would get there, and he had this real redneck, I mean, like heavy, his dog said Georgia, we're in Georgia. My grandfather was from Georgia, <laughs> South Georgia, we'll say, but I know a couple of you are from South Georgia, too, so I don't know what I'm going, I'm just going down a bath, and I'm digging a deeper hole, but my, my grandfather had this unique, deep, he was a railroad worker, he had this deep, unique voice. And he would stand in front of our family and read this passage of Scripture. He passed away when I was um, in college um, in 2001. Um, and then my grandmother kind of took over as the matriarch of our family. And I have so many memories of her in front of our family. She wouldn't just read the passage. She would start preaching <laughs> to, our kid, to the grandkids and the kids and calling them to repent and put their faith in Jesus. So many good memories. But I know for many, there's maybe not so many good memories. Maybe you had a difficult childhood. Maybe Christmas wasn't special. Maybe there was no Christ in your Christmas. Maybe there was no hope because you didn't know Christ yet. But I pray that this, this, this message this morning will provide you the sense and the reality of that you can actually experience comfort and joy at Christmas. So if you have a Bible, I want us to look at it. Again, we're not going to read, I've already read the story, we won't read it together, but there's a couple things. If you have a pen, feel free to take some notes. We didn't give a weekly guide out this week um, as well, but if you have a pen, you have a place to, to write, feel free to take a few notes. But I want you to see a few unique things about this story. Look at verse 1. Again, in Luke chapter 2, something that you've probably read maybe several times or you have a big family Bible potentially like we did and it was pulled out at Christmas every once in a while and, uh, and read from this big, huge white Bible. But it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. You might read that and you go, like, what is so unique about this story? And here's what I want you to see, this first aspect of why we can find comfort and joy. Here's why. We can find comfort and joy in knowing that God is in control. I mean, just notice in these first few verses how much is God is in, actually in control in this story. You know, I think sometimes we can look at events and random events and, and call it random, like it was happenstance or it just happened to happen or it was luck or all these things. But we see God's, if you look back at your life, maybe you can see the hand of God in your life and you're going like, well, Maybe I thought I was in control of a lot of things, and quickly you learn I have literally no control over hardly anything. And if you're like me, you like to control things. You like, you want to control your kids. You want to control your uh, people that you work with, or you want to control your boss, right? You, you want to tell them what to do, not them tell you what to do. We like to control things. But here, look at this story. I mean, here, this, this, this opening for this passage is this, this it just... Luke doesn't just randomly throw this out. If you, if you go back to the very beginning of Luke, you find out that Luke, we've been studying the book of Mark. Uh, and last week we paused to look at Matthew, the perspective of Matthew and Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning as we look at Luke's perspective, Luke was not one of the disciples, but he was one of the, the ones who gathered eyewitness. He was getting eyewitness accounts. He, would, he was doing a lot of work. Dr. Luke, he was a doctor we see in the book of Acts. And he's going and he's asking people, and I even, I felt like I read this story on my own this week, earlier this week, and read it with the fresh eyes again this morning, thinking that the eyewitness probably of this account was Mary. As Mary is sharing to Luke the story of the birth, and she's pondering and remembering and reflecting onto that beautiful morning, in the middle of the night, or whatever it was at the time, and as this, as this happens... I'm sure she's reflecting and remembering and having those, those feelings and remembering the smells of the stable, remembering the first cry and remembering the smiles and the, and the shepherds gathering. And, 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 and she starts to share that to Luke. And as you see this, but Luke doesn't, he's, he's one for details. And he mentions here a guy named Caesar Augustus. Well, this was, there were several Caesars, Julius Caesar being one, and Julius Caesar kind of this, the emperor and kind of the, the head of the entire Roman empire. But this Caesar is Octavius. And he just gives this random guy just a quick note, but I think it's important for us because this Caesar was referred to as the Son of God. He had been called the Son of God. He was, he was viewed as a Savior, and, and people would have worshipped him as a God, as this great leader. And, and, and Luke just throws him in there to, to just kind of show you his name, but saying, look, you know, you might, have, you might have a Caesar and you might have this great leader of the whole Roman Empire, but here comes Jesus, the, as we were just singing, the King of kings and Lord of lords coming in such humility. I, I, I read uh, one commentator saying uh, things may seem seem, uh, you know, as, as Caesar was referred to as the Son of God, he's viewed as the Savior and all these things, but he was saying, one commentator was saying how, how this person might have thought that, that Caesar was in control, but yet God was using this Caesar as actually his servant to accomplish his purposes and his will. You see, there was a prophecy hundreds of years prior that said that there was going to be 
son of David, the king, the Messiah, would come from where? From a tiny little insignificant town called Bethlehem. And how, does, how do you get a child to be born in Bethlehem if, if Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth? Well, God, in his unique ways, is using a census in just the right time to send this family to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy of Christ and where he would be born. You see, maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're fearful of what lies ahead in your future. And you're wondering, you're trying to control things and you're trying to figure out how can I control the events of my future? How can I control what happens in my life? How can I get all these things? Here's the great news. Listen, you can find comfort and joy knowing that God is in control, that you don't have to be in control and you don't need to be in control, that God, in fact, the God of the universe is in complete control. He can control kings who are called gods. He can control everything in this universe. Every star only exists because he has allowed it to exist. Each person, the breath that I breathe out of my lungs, the voice that we get to communicate and speak, the hugs that we give, all come from a God who is gracious to give us the ability and the breath to do these things. You see, God is in control. And listen, we can find comfort in knowing that God is in control. Secondly, we also can find comfort and joy in knowing Jesus' family line included outcasts and foreigners. Uh, This Christmas season, my family and I, for our family devotions, have been going through and looking at the lineage of Christ and looking at the, the family tree of Christ, and it is just really remarkable to read. You would think, you know, when you think of a king, you think of perfection. You think of like this royalty. When you look at the, the again, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, the royalty in, in England. And you think of the royal line and the lineage and all the, the bloodlines and all the, how that all works. And it's like when you trace all those things and they have all these paths to who would be the next person in line for king. Well, as Luke and Matthew are outlining that for us, what you find is, is not beauty. You find outcasts, you find a prostitute, you find, um, you find foreigners, you find a person we studied earlier in the year called Ruth. <laughs> and this unique person, Ruth, who, who is a, an outsider and how God worked in unique ways to bring Ruth into, uh, uh, into a family with Boaz. And Boaz would have a, a son named Obed and Obed would have a son named Jesse and Jesse would have a son named David, King David. Like unique. And you think of Rahab, this prostitute woman, when the spies are going to look into the land to see, is this the land, the promised land that we can go into? And the spies are there, and she hides the spies from the enemy and protects them. And sure enough, when they return to destroy that city, God protected her and her family. And sure enough, she would marry an Israelite. And sure enough, she would have a son that would also be in the line of Christ. When we look at this story, Who gets the news first? Who gets to hear? I mean, the, you know, like when you think of a pronouncement of a king, I mean, it's gathering all the guests. It's gathering all the elites of society. It's gathering all the people all together. And let's make this news. I mean, if you're going to spread news nowadays, right? You're going you're gonna to maybe get on Twitter. You're going to hope Elon Musk doesn't shut you down or something, right? But you're going you're gonna to get on Twitter. You're going to make announcements. You're going uh, to get the newscast. You're going to, like, if, I remember when LeBron James was going to go to uh, take his talents, as he said a long time ago, uh, to Miami to play from, from Cleveland, Ohio. 
and he got one of the, the big, uh, big men who was high in media, and he goes and he has this little telecast to let everyone know. How does the king of the kings and the Lord of lords, how is he going to pronounce his news to the world? He does it through angels, but he does it with shepherds. There's a word we use a lot of times before shepherds, lowly shepherds. You see, shepherds were kind of a lower part of, like a very lower part of society at the time. They were not even, they were considered ceremonially unclean, and so they would not even be allowed there. The reason probably they were close by was because they were probably watching the sheep that were going to be used for slaughter for the sacrifices in the temple. They're nearby, but they're kind of they're, kind of, they're viewed as a low part of society, the poorest of poor. These are just shepherds who are living off the field watching sheep. And what does it say in verse 8? And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And so here comes the announcement, the announcement and the beginning of the spread of the good news of Christ's coming is going to come through shepherds. So not only do we find, can we find comfort and joy in knowing Jesus' family line includes outcasts and foreigners, even he uses people like shepherds to communicate his message. Do you think he can use you? Can he continue to use you? Can he continue to use me? Of course he can. And he longs to use us. He longs to do these things. He worked, I mean, this has been one of the joys of our study of looking at the line of Jesus. Is, I mean, even when you look at Jacob, you're like, Jacob was a mess. Isaac. You know, when you think of, uh, when you think of these, these people in, in, in God's family tree, if you, if you were, the son of God, Jesus, you look at that and you go, man, it's a bunch of broken, messed up people. I think that helps us find comfort and joy knowing that Jesus' family includes these kind of people. Why would he not include us in his kingdom? Thirdly, we find comfort and joy in knowing that God came to meet our greatest need. Listen, we can find comfort and joy in knowing that God came to meet our greatest need. I know we have a lot of accountants in this room, and so God didn't send an accountant to fix our financial problems. God didn't send a business manager to help us get our business in order because that was a need of ours. We needed help with these things. God didn't send an entertainer so that we could find more laughter and joy in life. He didn't send, He sent us exactly what, a, what we needed. He sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. He saw our need. And this goes all the way, all the way back to the beginning of creation when He creates man and woman and they rebel against God. And in Genesis 3.15, we see a promise that Christ, that God is going to fulfill. He makes a promise all the way back to when Adam and Eve sinned. When they rebelled against God, when they chose to go against His goodness and questioned His goodness and went after, they took control, right? They took control of their life. They went after something they wanted and wanted to do, and they pursued something else that they wanted, just like we, exactly what we do. We live our life so self-centeredly and so selfishly. And here comes the King of the world. He knows our greatest need. And listen to the angel's pronouncement. Let me remind you of it, verse 10. And the angel said to them, to the, to, to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, 
Listen to this. This is, we've said gospel means good news. Here is the word gospel. Here's what we get. Good news. I bring you good news. This kind of gospel news. It's of great joy. What? That will be for, notice this, it's for all people. For the shepherd to Octavius as king. For the lowest of lows of society to the highest of high society. He comes for all people. And he says this is extremely good news. Why? What is it about? What is it that is this good news? Because it's verse 11. For unto you, again, the personal aspect of that. For unto you, as he's pronouncing this to the shepherds, and it applies to us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. I want you to notice this. This is no, you don't see this anywhere else in the Bible, all three of these descriptions together. Unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior, He comes to meet our biggest need, our sin indebtedness, our sin debt that we couldn't pay, that we couldn't earn enough. There's not enough earning and enough favor that you could do to earn God's love and forgiveness. It is only by mercy and grace. And here the Savior comes. He's meeting our needs. He is our Savior. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one of old in the Old Testament, promise of a coming king and a coming messiah and he's lord meaning he's god we get all three of these descriptions in one word and here is what we can find comfort in we find comfort and we find joy in knowing that god came to meet our deepest need here's the problem many people don't see that they have a need They have control of their life. Their bank account is okay. They have food on their table. Life is pretty good. Why do I need God? We ask. And I remember sitting across the table as a student pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina, sitting across the table from the student who was 17. He called me randomly, not one of the students that was in our student ministry. Random guy reached out. He'd been on a trip to Europe, had seen these cathedrals in Europe and was amazed and the artwork and seeing the different things. And, and he was just starting to question and wondering about Christianity. He comes and he, he just randomly calls me. And so I, I, I'm like, yeah, come, come. I'd love to meet with you. So he comes and I share with him the gospel as he's asking questions. And I just remember sitting across the table with him and he looked me in the eyes and he was like, I hear you. I understand. I, I understand that what you're saying about Jesus, and I, I can see how that's true. But I want to live my life. Can I, I want to live my life. I'm trying to remember exactly how I said it. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. He wanted both. He wanted to have God, a relationship with God, but he also wanted to live life however he wanted to live it. Continue the lifestyle. Continue to live the life of sin. Reality is you can't have both, and this is why Jesus came. He came to meet our deepest need, and many people don't even recognize their need of a Savior. I, I think of my dad. I, I, my dad is one of the toughest people I've ever known. I remember when I was a kid, he was splitting wood. I didn't say he was the smartest person. He was the toughest person. So this one time, he's splitting wood. He's using a sledgehammer, and he had a, 
he had this huge sledgehammer, and he had his finger, and he hit the sledgehammer, and he hit his finger with the sledgehammer, and it just, like, bust. I remember it, like, bust open, don't pass out anybody, my, especially Colson, um, my son. Uh, but, I mean, just, I mean, bleeding everywhere, and he, like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. He just duct tape it or something and all this stuff. I'm like, good thing you're going to lose your finger. Looks like you have lost your finger. Um, thinking, oh, I don't, I don't need a doctor. I mean, I've watched my dad over the years. I don't need a doctor. I'm fine. I'm tough. You know, all these things. But a couple of years ago, he had something going on inside of him, and, he knew, and my mom wasn't there. She was at the beach or something. I'm, not, I'm living elsewhere, or maybe we were across town. Didn't say anything. All of a sudden, he takes himself to the doctor. He takes himself to ER. And I'm going, if my dad drove himself to ER, he knew something was wrong. You see, as tough as he is, it took something really serious going on in his body to say, I need to go to the doctor. You see, most of us, we, our life's good, life's fine. Like, you might not have smashed your finger. Everything's great in your life and everything's good. And you don't need, you don't need anything. You're, you've met them all. You can do it yourself. But here's the reality is you cannot, you cannot earn your way in favor with God. You needed a Savior, and this is why He came. He said, I didn't come for the, the healthy. I didn't come for those people. I came for the sick. This is why you see the shepherds responding to Him. This is why you see the sinners, you see the prostitutes, you see the tax collectors drawing themselves and being drawn to the Savior because they saw their brokenness. They saw their need, and they run to the only one who could give it. But who do you see not going to Jesus? Who do you see trying to kill Jesus? It's the religious it's the people who think they have it all together. And Jesus, he's come for all people, but the only people who respond to his gracious gift are those who see their need of saving. And this is why we can find comfort, is that he knows that need and he meets it. He comes where we are. He doesn't wait for us to come to him. He descends, he condescends, he comes down, he becomes a child, and he lives a life that we should have lived in perfect obedience to the Father and died the death that we should have died. He pays the price for it so that we could have eternal life. This is why he came. This is why we can find comfort. And just really quickly, I want to give you three kind of takeaways. One is this. We see it in the text even as we close this morning on this Christmas service. You know, as we find comfort and joy in these things, we should have a similar response. I want to see this, the similar response as the shepherds. There's a great example in these verses for us to follow. Look at first is this. It's like the shepherds. We should come and see. Notice what they do. In Luke 2, as, they, as, they, as the angel of the Lord appears to them and, and tells them, hey, look, I'm telling you, there's great news in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And here's the sign, and they give you a sign. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with... And so here's what happens. They say this when, in verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. You see, our response to what Christ has done at the Christmas season in his coming is like the shepherds. Here's the, Jesus is all, his invitation is always open. It's come and see. I want you to sense this as, as you move through the Gospels, as you get to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. When, when doubting, the phrase we give, doubting Thomas, one who was like, I don't know, I need to see it to believe it. Did Jesus say, I can't believe, I'm right in front of you, I can't believe it. You know what he said in so much grace? He said, come, touch my hands, touch my side. 
You see the grace of Jesus? He's not saying, man, you, you messed up again, clean, tidy it up a little bit. No, come. The shepherds didn't need to clean themselves up to go visit the king. No, they were just to come as they were. But come and see. This should be our response. Like the shepherds, we should come and see. Secondly is this, like Mary, we should treasure what we have come to know. Treasure what you have come to know about Christ. Treasure these things like Mary. Listen to what Mary says in verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. We treasure Christ. This is why we set aside Sunday, the Lord's Day, to treasure Christ, to glorify Him through singing together as a congregation, to sit under the teaching of God's Word, to to remind ourselves and treasure Christ, to help Him to speak to our hearts. As you come to Him, he will, you will find that He is a great treasure and a great reward. Like Mary, we should treasure what we have come to know. And thirdly, and finally is this, like the shepherds, we should proclaim to the world this glorious and wonderful news. Here the shepherds go. Mary's treasuring these things up in her heart. Can't help but picture that. As they come and they've told her, these words, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And as the shepherds tell her that, she's just treasuring those things in her heart. And here the, 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 the shepherds leave, and what do they do? They go, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You see, like the shepherds, we should proclaim the glory of the Lord to the world around us. This is the mission that Jesus came. He came with a purpose. The manger was only to lead to the cross. And the cross was what's going to, through his death, burial, and resurrection, was going to be the hope that we have. You see, the reason we can have hope at Christmas is because he came. But yes, it's not just because he came, it's because he died. And because he died and because he rose again, we too have now hope. But that also gives us a mission to proclaim his gospel, his truth to this generation around us. This is why we exist. We exist for the glory of God, to proclaim him, to help people joyfully follow Jesus and also to make him known like these shepherds. Because why? For unto us a child is born. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's celebrate him today. Let's reflect on him today. Let's treasure him like Mary today. Let me pray. Father, we love you and we thank you again so much for this unique story, a story that's maybe familiar to many of us. But God, I pray that afresh and anew we would be drawn closer and closer to you, that our hearts would be aligned with you. Father, I do pray, though, there, I'm sure there may be some in this room maybe who've never responded to their need of rescue. They've never put their faith in Christ alone. Father, I pray, I desperately pray that through your Spirit and only by your Spirit can you draw someone to yourself, that you would open our eyes to see Christ, our Savior and Lord. Father, may we live a life of repentance, turning from our sin. May we live a life of treasuring you and treasuring Christ and that we would live a life of proclaiming your glory and your goodness to 
the world around us. God, we are so thankful for Jesus. We have hope because you came. And because you came, you've given us a mission to tell everyone about our King. So Father, do a work in our hearts. Draw us near. I pray today as we go our separate ways, as we maybe go to celebrate together with family and friends, God, help us not to get too distracted. God, we can so easily get distracted with all the things and all the stuff and kind of move on from the story of Christmas. So continue to move in our hearts. Continue to shape and, and direct us and lead us, Father, and help us in all these things. We love you, God, and we ask this in your son's name. Amen.